they grow up uh, into like dinosaurs or aliens and stuff. Actually, uh, in preparation, I, I cheated and I did one. It's supposed to be a dinosaur, um, but, you know. But they're kind of cool. They're these little uh, pill-shaped capsules. Um, and when you put them in water, they grow uh, into various shapes. And you don't really expect them to do that. Um, you kind of expect it to be something else, right? But if you know what to expect out of such a device, uh, then it could be fun, right? It's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. But imagine if you didn't know what to expect out of such a device. Imagine with me, uh, you're sick. You've got a fever, blinding fever. You're stumbling around. You're you're coughing. You're just, I'm stumbling around. You're coughing. You're looking for something to give you some kind of relief. And you happen upon a, a dish that just has some pills in it. And you pick one up, and you look at it, and you're like, that's interesting. I mean, it's shaped like a pill. Maybe it's a little lighter than a pill. It's kind of an odd color. Seems a lot of pills are bright, but maybe not quite fluorescent. You think, well, what the heck? I'm not feeling well, and I need something to make me well. So with full expectation of this making you well, you pop it in. And you hope for some relief. But the issue is, you just popped in a magic grow capsule. You popped in a magic grow capsule. You expect it to give you some kind of relief, but what's really happening is this spongy T-Rex is expanding on the inside of your stomach. If we have the wrong expectation, we apply the wrong expectation to the wrong thing or even sometimes the right thing, it opens us up to a world of hurt. And right now we're in the parables of Jesus. Jesus is right now explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. And really what he's revealing is that the kingdom of heaven is pretty unexpected. And with his words, he is shaping our expectations. He's telling us what to expect. Now, if we have the wrong expectation about the kingdom of heaven, we could expect to be impatient. We could expect to be disappointed and frustrated when those expectations are not met. So the question for us this morning is, do you know what to expect the kingdom of heaven to be like? Do you know what to expect of its nature? With this in mind, I would invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. It'll be on the screen. Uh, please feel free to open your Bibles as well. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, there is a shelf in the back. There are Bibles there. 
please feel free to take one of those home with you. And we're in Matthew 13, verses 31 through 35. This is the word of the Lord. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it grows, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Amen. This is the word of God and all of Christ's people said, amen, amen. The kingdom of heaven. All right, Jesus, what's it like? He's about to tell us what the kingdom is like. Well, Jesus says, the kingdom is like a mustard seed and a mustard plant. That doesn't sound very grand. That doesn't, that doesn't sound very exciting, what you might expect of a kingdom. A mustard seed, a mustard plant, that sounds, sounds kind of lame. That sounds small and insignificant. Well, if you're like me and you hear Jesus using these images, you think, well, where can I easily attain an image? Well, go to Google Images. And I type in, parable of the mustard seed. Let's see what this mustard seed and this mustard plant looks like. And when I looked it up, of course they show uh, in these very inspirational pictures, um, a, just a tiny, 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 tiny seed. And then next to it, this magnificent, soaring, 30 or 40 foot tall tree. I'm like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, is that right? I'm trying to look at certain things concerning mustard seeds and mustard plants, and I'm like, nobody's saying anything about it being this giant soaring tree. Is this right? Well, Jesus is using a, a common proverb of the time. He, he's not acting like a botanist. So he, when he says that the, the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, he's not being entirely precise. Rather, proverbially, proverbially speaking, he, uh, the mustard seed was a way of referring to small things. It's like if you saw a baby and you were like, that baby's as small as a mustard seed. Right? It's kind of like that. It's a way of referring to small things. And the mustard plant, even though he calls it a tree, he's not being entirely precise there either. Since a mustard tree is, it's really just a bush or a shrub. Now, granted, the mustard tree under, or the mustard bush under optimal conditions can grow up to 10 to 15 feet tall, but it's certainly not a tree 
and the way that we think about trees. Jesus here is presenting us with a contrast. That the kingdom of heaven is like this small, seemingly insignificant mustard seed. But relative to the size of the seed, it grows into this significantly sized plant. Significant enough that the birds of the air can actually come and make nests in this plant. But Jesus, what do you mean by this? What do you mean? Like, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed in a mustard plant? Like, aren't kingdoms defined by their power? By their might? By their majesty? What sort of kingdom is this? Right? And even at the time, uh, you know, his audience, like, would be thinking of Rome. Rome, there's a mighty kingdom. There's a strong kingdom spanning across the known world with an expansive road system, all of which lead to Rome. Or even the Jewish expectation of what the Messiah would do in relation to the kingdom when he would come. They expected the Messiah to be a a political hero, a revolutionary that would overthrow Rome and reinstitute Israel's kingdom, reinstitute their law and their power. I wonder if maybe even some of us in our modern context, right, we don't really think about kingdoms per se, but we live in America, right? America! America was, was is, is strong and powerful. It was built on the foundation of revolution and militias. But as Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed, what do we see? That his kingdom does not begin with a political revolution. It doesn't begin with armies or 12 disciples or just a handful of followers. It does not begin with disciples, they weren't even anything to look at. They're just a, some of them were just a, a bunch of uneducated fishermen. And this, and this message, this message that they proclaimed, this message of the kingdom, it had to believe it. This is unexpected. This is unexpected. And yet, is growing. We should know what to expect. That the kingdom of heaven is not founded upon what we normally associate with powerful kingdoms. And yet, look at how it has grown from seeming insignificant to significant. One message, repetitive 
Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That as a matter of first importance, Christ Jesus died in accordance with the scriptures. That on the third day, he arose in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas and to the other twelve and to 500 more and to others. And then he appeared to Paul on the road. Paul with educated, with power and might. And yet, he persecuted the church. And yet, when Christ met him on the road, his message went, or his power and might turned to that message. A message that was a stumbling block to the Jews and folly, foolishness to the Gentiles. And this kingdom and its message has continued to go out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the world. The kingdom went through the apostles who went into the world and established churches. And what's crazy, some of them still bear their names. Some of them still bear their names. In the 4th century, the church father Jerome said this, From India to Britain, all nations nations resound with the death and resurrection of Christ. And in more recent history, David Brainerd put the message of the kingdom to the Native Americans. William Carey sent the message of the kingdom to India. Adoniram Judson took the message of the kingdom to Burma. David Livingston took the message of the kingdom to Africa. Charlotte Lottie Moon took the message of the kingdom to China. And you know what? You're not absent from that list either. You're not. Think of the names and the faces that who were once in your life, who were once alienated, far off from God, but have been brought near by the blood of Christ and the message of this kingdom. That the Lord is using you to bring people into this kingdom. Your unbelieving neighbors, your family, your friends. I think even us as a church here, why are we planting another church in Baldwinsville? Because we believe that the message in the kingdom go. And we expect it to go to Baldwinsville. The Lord is using you and I, this church, and other churches to grow the kingdom from seeming insignificant to significant results. Friends, the gospel is the message of the kingdom. And as Christians go into the world, the kingdom goes. Jesus rules and reigns his kingdom now through the power and presence of his people as the kingdom gospel goes out into the world through the ministry of the word and the administration of the ordinances in the church 
celebrate this. And you know, no one can stop it. No one can stop it. We see over time that the kingdom has gone out. People from every tribe, tongue, nation is being brought in. Every kind of person is being brought in to this glorious kingdom through the blood of Christ. Amen? The birds are coming to nest in this tree. Friends, you don't see it coming. It's not what you would expect. But the kingdom of heaven is growing out to be more significant than one might expect. Seen it go, we're seeing it, we're watching it go into the world. Amen? The kingdom of heaven is growing. But at the same time, we must not think that it is simply something that goes out there. Like out into the world. That we just take out. But rather, the kingdom of heaven is something in here as well. Next come to uh, verse 33. Please read with me. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now I love, love watching cooking videos on YouTube. Absolutely love it. I watch tons and even recipes I don't know, probably they make. Maybe not. Some re- some ingredients are really hard to get. But whenever you watch somebody make bread, so you make the dough, you introduce yeast to it, you put it in a well-oiled bowl, you let it sit until it's doubled in size. Until the yeast takes and leavens the dough. Until it gets into the dough. Now if there was a YouTube video for first century Jewish bread making, uh, and we were talking about introducing leaven into that, the leaven was really just this little piece, this little piece of dough from last week's dough that was just introduced into the new batch of dough. And, you know, we often hear about leaven uh, in other parts of the scriptures, And when it's used symbolically in other places, it's usually a symbol for sin and for evil. But that's not what it means here. It It doesn't mean sin and evil. Rather, Jesus, just like he did with the mustard seed, is presenting us with another contrast of small, seeming insignificance and significant results. So much like the mustard seed, the leaven was just nothing to look at. It wasn't really significant. But the flour in this parable, the dough, that's actually pretty significant. Three measures of dough was like 22 liters of of dough. It was 22 liters of dough, which was enough dough to feed anywhere between 100 to 150 people. That's a lot of dough. But what does this this tiny, small, seemingly insignificant piece of leaven do when it's introduced 
is it this massive piece of dough? Well, it penetrates this. It pervades this. It changes this. From the inside out, the leaven changes the flour. It changes its quality. And so it is with the kingdom of heaven. A little leaven hidden in the dough. The activities of the leaven, imperceptible to the human eye. You don't immediately see its effect, much like the mustard tree growing. And yet, over time, the dough changes. So it is. For the grace of our Lord and the kingdom gospel reaches the human heart. It changes it from the inside out. Hasn't the message of the kingdom gotten into your heart? Who here can say that since coming to faith in Christ, they are the same on that, as that day? Year by year, month by month, week by week, hour by hour, the Spirit working kingdom leaven in our soul, our hearts, and our minds. And in the moment, it's imperceptible. We don't really notice it in the moment. We, we experience it every week, every day. Week by week, we are like prepared flour, prepared by the Lord to receive kingdom leaven. And it, every week, we come here together in corporate worship to receive that leaven, to grow, as it were. And our, our liturgy, which is just a way of referring to how we structure our service, our, our corporate worship liturgy has a leavening effect where the Lord calls us into a great gospel dialogue with Him. And we respond in praise and thanksgiving. And we're humbled by His majesty. We're called to confess our sins. But we receive assurance of pardon that He's forgiven us our sins. And we sit under the preached word and we hear from Christ. The words of the kingdom. And he and the Lord invites us to the table to feast on Christ's body and blood. And he sends us away with a benediction, with a blessing. I don't think any of us can really begin to fathom how that rhythm, that gospel rhythm, that blessed communion with the living God, week in and week out, without skipping a beat, over an entire lifetime, how that is leavening us, it's changing us, it's changing what kind of people we are. And other times of worship have a similar leavening effect as well. When you read and pray the word privately, the Lord does use that 
to change you. When you greet it with friends and with family, with your brothers and sisters here in this church, the, the Lord uses that. Missional communities, when we read the Word together, the Lord uses that. If you're in a discipling relationship with someone, you gather together and you read the Word and you pray for each other, the Lord is using that. The Lord is using that. Kingdom leaven is being fed when we engage in those kingdom activities. Amen? We can't fast. We can't begin to fathom the, the repetition of these things and how the Lord's going to use them. And I can't help in this moment but to think of our beloved sister who just went to be with the Lord. Carolyn. her mind was filled with desire to look upon Jesus, to look into his eyes. A saint at the end of the leavening process who loved the Lord and the Lord worked in her greatly. Might we all desire the same? Friends, we are tempted in, in the slowness of this leavening process to become impatient, to want the kingdom on earth now, or to even just be so disappointed and distraught when our own sin rears its ugly head. Could this just be right? Should I be over this? Shouldn't I be past this? Haven't I worked hard enough past this? Why does this sin keep coming up. Well, I think Leon Morris makes a helpful note in this. He says, the parable also makes the point that the power that affects the change comes from outside the dough. The massive dough does not change itself. Friends, the power of the kingdom is not found in our ability to make or force things to happen. But it's by God's power and grace that the kingdom grows in us. Amen? When you engage in those kingdom things that the Lord has ordained to be means of grace for us, you can expect the Lord to use those things to change you. When we come to corporate worship and we worship God, and we receive grace through the preached word and through the administration of the ordinances and through prayer, you can expect the Lord over time to change you. When you read the word privately with your family, you can expect that to have an effect on your family. Why? Because the Lord is using that to change you. And if you are in a discipling relationship, if you're not, get into a discipling relationship with someone. Because the Lord is using those things to affect change in you. It's by God's grace that his kingdom leaven works its way into us and changes us and the world around us. And friends, over a lifetime, we can't even begin to imagine what kind of change we'll see in us and in others. More patience, more humility, 
neglect, anger, lack of frustration, more godly affection, more steadiness, emotion. Why? Because the Lord is using kingdom leaven to transform us into the image of his son. Amen? Friends, the kingdom is spreading. And it's getting into all of the nooks and crannies of us and those around us. It's slow. It's not what you would expect. But the kingdom of heaven is growing to be more pervasive than one might expect. It's not just growing out. It's growing in. But why? Why should we expect it? Why should we? uh, I get it. Well, Jesus just said it. I get it. But there's a deeper meaning. There's a more meaning here as to why we should expect the kingdom of heaven to grow out into the world and to grow into his people. And it's found in these next few verses. You would read with me, 34 and 35. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what's been hidden since the foundation of the world. See, at this time, Jesus used parables to teach about the nature of the kingdom, teach about the mysteries of the kingdom. And this tipped Matthew, our author, this tipped Matthew off to something really important. Here, Matthew's quoting from Psalm 78, which is attributed to Asaph. Asaph wrote many psalms, and in other places, I think in 2 Chronicles, uh, he's called a seer, which is a kind of prophet. And Psalm 78 is a pretty amazing psalm. In it, Asaph recounts some of Israel's history. It's uh, their history uh, of Israel's, really, of Israel's unfaithfulness, and the Lord's continued faithfulness to his covenant promise, and it's it's actually really marvelous. There's a lot of yet, and yet, and yet, and yet. It's just amazing. Yet there was sin, yet the Lord was faithful. Yet they sinned, but the Lord was gracious. So Matthew, in recording this psalm, is finding in Christ's use of parables the fulfillment of an Old Testament pattern. That Asaph spoke of God's covenant dealings with Israel, and Christ has come to fulfill and reveal what was previously hidden in the kingdom of of heaven. That is, even in the time of Israel, there was something hidden beneath the surface, or beneath the history, as one author puts it. And with Jesus' words, he's revealing that, that hiddenness. It's, it's rising to the surface in Christ's words. But what is it? What's being revealed in Christ's words? It's the mystery of the kingdom. That the kingdom will grow from seeming insignificant um, beginnings to worldwide 
significant results. That the kingdom will pervade from the, and change from the inside out. That the kingdom is not merely meant for one tiny corner of the world, but for the whole world. And it, it's not only, a, it's not merely a matter of externals either, but a matter of the heart. This Christ reveals. But notice, these things which he reveals were hidden since the foundation of the world. But Christ is the one who reveals. Who is it that was before the foundations of the world? Who knows the secret things but God himself? In ascribing these words to Jesus, and that he's fulfilling them, he's saying that Jesus was before the foundation of the world, that Jesus is the one who comes and he reveals God's hidden counsel, that from before the foundations of the world, this is what God was going to do. And Jesus was going to, and Jesus is revealing it. That in history, there was something about this truth hidden beneath the history. But as Christ comes, it takes in his words and is bubbling to the surface so that it is no longer hidden, but this mystery is revealed. That those Old Testament types and shadows, that the the law and, and what that pointed to, and the sacrifices, what did that point to? All of these things. That Christ has come to fulfill all of those things. And we see it being fulfilled in his preaching on the kingdom and his use of parables. There's nobody else for us to go to to receive the nature of the kingdom. To understand what it is. To know what God is doing in the world. But to come to Christ for him to reveal to us the nature of this kingdom. That's why we should expect the kingdom to grow from seeming insignificance to great significant results. Because Christ is the one who comes and he reveals God's hidden, previously hidden plans from eternity past to the people of God now. There's nowhere else to go for this information. There's nowhere in nature for us to find this. But in Christ alone. Friends, no other religion offers this. Nothing else offers this kind of truth. Nothing else has these kinds of effects in the world. But Jesus does. And his kingdom does. If you're here with us today, and you don't know Jesus, and you're a, a stranger to this kingdom, I'll tell you right now that when the church gathers, or I should use all the churches as well, when the church gathers, and one author puts it, the church gathered becomes an outpost or an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. This church is just a building for other buildings. But it gains its significance when we assemble together and it becomes sovereign ground. And we receive from the Lord our marvelous.
marching order for his kingdom. So if you're here with us today, and you're a stranger to this kingdom, you're sitting in on a, a secret meeting, a covert meeting of the mission of the uh, kingdom of God, and how it's going to go out into the world through the preaching of the world and through the preaching of the word and through His people. I ask you, become a member of His kingdom. Come to know Jesus. The message is repent and believe. To repent, to turn away from sin, and to cling to Christ as our only hope and salvation from our sin and from the wrath of God against sin. I plead with you, I implore you, come to Jesus, please, and repent and believe in the gospel and enjoy living true communion with the God that exists with the God that meets us here and now as we assemble together. This is why we can expect it. This is why we can believe it. Because this is the plan all along. And this Jesus reveals through you who he serves. The kingdom of heaven was seemingly insignificant. But it's grown. It's grown and it's changing things from the inside out. It's far more significant than one might expect. But Jesus is the one who reveals these hidden truths and tells us we can expect it. Because of this, we can with confidence look forward to that day which is coming when the tree fully grows. And the whole lump of dough is fully and completely leavened on that final day in a new heaven and a new earth where God's kingdom is consummated in full, complete to its fullness on that day. John, the book of Revelation, wrote about this day. And he says these things. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on the throne, on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and saints. And those who fear your name, both small and great. And for destroying the destroyers on the earth. Friends, we long for this day. When we live in blessed communion in God's completed kingdom in that place where there will be no destroyers, no death, no sin, no evil, without and within. We will live and be at peace with our God forever and our Sabbaths 
eternal Sabbath rest. Amen? Since Jesus reveals what's been hidden, expect the kingdom of heaven to grow out and grow in. Amen? in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, we know that you are building your kingdom and that the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Oh Lord, use us through ministry of your word baptism, the Lord's Supper, establish your kingdom in the world, establish churches, and oh God, change us, that we may love love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and our neighbors as ourselves, oh Lord, prepare us for that day. When the core of our very being is changed, and we look upon your face, and we worship you, our God, for eternity. Lord God, be glorified in these things. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.